In the early 1980s, BYU head coach Lavelle Edwards was on fire. He took a mediocre team and transformed it into a high-caliber squad. He bagged some big wins. He was producing the best quarterbacks in the nation. And then in 1984, BYU's first-ever national championship. With a number-one ranked team, Lavelle became a hot commodity in the football world. Other college teams came calling. And then the Detroit Lions offered him the position of head coach, an NFL job. It would mean four times his BYU salary. It would mean more prestige. It was the obvious next step for such a successful college coach. His mind was more involved on BYU recruiting season than he was on signing a contract. And right there it told him, hey, don't go. You need to stay. Lavelle didn't care about the obvious. He had no interest in coaching in Detroit. No interest in the NFL. He had no interest in coaching anyone but the BYU Cougars. So he declined the job. Today we look back at the legendary life and career of Lavelle Edwards. A coach who had no patience for egos. Who had no interest in conventional football or football culture. The story of how Lavelle's unique outlook on football and life paved the way for extraordinary wins on the field and beyond. During Lavelle's tenure as BYU's legendary coach, I actually had a brush with the man himself. You see, back then, all practices were open to the public. I know, a crazy thought when you compare it to the paranoia from college coaches today. But Lavelle, he let anyone watch. My dad and I used to love going to fall camp practices to get an early look at Lavelle's latest squad. When I was around 10 years old, we were at practice, and I noticed a player was missing. I was shy, remember, but I got up the courage to go up to Lavelle. He was perched on his golf cart wearing Oakley-style sunglasses and a straw hat. Hey, Lavelle, I said. My name's Mitch. I'm a big BYU fan. And I just wanted to ask you where Jonathan Pittman is. Lavelle patiently explained what was going on. In the middle of his practice, he gave me a 10-year-old kid his undivided attention. That was just Lavelle's style. He made everybody feel like the most important person in the world. Lavelle was born in 1930 in Orem, Utah, one of 14 kids. His parents were strawberry farmers. For Lavelle Edwards, sports may have been a break from farm chores. He and his brother picked strawberries not far from the BYU Stadium. He grew up in the shadow of Cougar Stadium and loved BYU football from a young age. As a player, Lavelle was a multi-sport athlete in high school. He excelled in basketball, track and field, and of course football. Today, Lavelle is synonymous with BYU football. But he didn't actually go to BYU. They didn't recruit him. He went to Utah State instead, where he was a lineman for the Aggies. His head coach, George Lenkovich, was a former Notre Dame fullback. He was always impressed with how Lavelle played. Did everything possible to win a ball game. He wouldn't quit. Lavelle was a good player, a solid college player. He was a team captain, well-loved by his teammates. At Utah State, Lavelle met his future wife, Patty. Even though she didn't care much for football, she fell in love with Lavelle, and he with her. Lavelle knew his playing days would end with Utah State. He was never expected to go pro, so after school it was time to decide what to do with his life. Lavelle's father-in-law owned an oil business. He could have worked there and made a good salary, 
It was the obvious path. But again, he wasn't interested in the obvious. He loved football and mentoring young people. I spoke with Lavelle's wife, Patty Edwards, about Lavelle. He was working at five different jobs so that he could afford to, to stay in coaching. Just a love for the game. Lavelle Edwards was a player coach during his Army days at Fort Meade, Maryland. He returned to Utah in 1954 and became head coach at Granite High School. The big break came in 1962. Hal Mitchell added Edwards to his staff at BYU and remained when Tom Hudspeth took over in 1964. Eight years later, Edwards was running the show. When BYU President Dallin H. Oaks and Athletic Director Stan Watts hired Lavelle as head coach in 1972, expectations were low. BYU had never fielded a consistent winner. Lavelle took a look at the standard playbook and only saw defeat, so he rewrote it. He knew his team couldn't win by running the ball. They had to pass it. And if that didn't work out, Lavelle figured things couldn't get any worse. It wasn't a matter of uh, if I was going to get fired. It was just a matter of when I was going to get fired. <laughs> the expansion of the playbook paid off. Lavelle manufactured one of the great passing attacks in college football history. He coached quarterback greats like Gary Scheide, Gifford Nilsson, Mark Wilson, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Robbie Bosco, Ty Detmer, and Steve Sarkeesian. We'll go deeper into the quarterback factory in the next episode. Through these players, Lavelle reinvented how offense is played in college football. That strategy turned BYU from a scrappy, no-name team to an elite program. In 1983, Lavelle's Cougars played UCLA in the storied Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. UCLA was a powerhouse in those days in the Pac-10 Conference. The Bruins' head coach was Terry Donahue. He had never lost a home game as UCLA's coach or as a player for the Bruins. But Lavelle and his powerful offense, led by Steve Young, handed Donahue and the Bruins an L. 37-35. That triumph against UCLA was not only a historic game in BYU history, but it was one in front of the country's second biggest media market. The LA coverage established a new, more prestigious reputation for the Cougars, and it placed Lavelle in the national spotlight. That game, and that media coverage, set the tone for the following season. You aboard for College Football Live 1984, a doubleheader beginning here with Brigham Young in Pittsburgh. And there from our Goodyear blimp, we can see the beautiful Pitt Stadium, 40,000. In 1984, BYU opened the season with a bang. They defeated number three Pitt on the road, giving them a fast climb up the national rankings. There's Lavelle Edwards, 12 seasons, 105 ball games, never coached anywhere else, and what a job he's done. He loves it out in Provo. BYU kept winning despite detractors from the coaching world trying to discredit BYU's success. Their reputation solidified. Lavelle continued to delight national audiences and the media. Lavelle's relationship with reporters was unique. Most of his coach peers kept the media at bay. Lavelle was always happy to talk. Beat writers like Lee Benson from the Deseret News have fond memories of covering Lavelle and his BYU program. Well, Edwards, no doubt, one of a kind. What do you remember? Maybe that makes you smile, that uh, maybe your fondest remembrance of the man. I'll tell you, the thing I think that... that uh that shows the human side of Lavelle Edwards is several times I've come down to interview him in his office and I'll just get sat down and invariably we'll talk about golf courses or Willie Nelson's music or something he's interested in 
or his sons, John and Jim, or his daughters. And then before too long, and I can be in mid-sentence, he'll say, let's go, and he'll go out and we'll hop in his cougar. But he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say, come on, we're going to get a Coke or I'll buy or anything. He just says, let's go. And uh, he, he marches to his own drummer. And I just smile when I think about Lavelle Edwards because I think that's the only way he's able to have held this whole thing together is because he hears what he wants to hear and he does what he wants to do. He's a remarkable head coach as a result. Lavelle's friendly attitude toward the media is important because this was back when the national champion was determined by media votes, well before the college football playoff was established in 2014. Typically, those media votes were determined by New Year's Day bowl games, but not in 1984. In 1984, the national championship was going to be determined by a pre-Christmas matchup in the Holiday Bowl. In the final minutes against the Michigan Wolverines, quarterback Robbie Bosco threw the winning touchdown. It was the culmination of Lavelle's vision to throw the ball instead of run. That incredible win and Lavelle's well-oiled relationship with the press secured BYU's first ever national championship. Lavelle invested a lot in his quarterbacks. He also invested in developing an innovative coaching staff. Unlike many other coaches of the day, Lavelle knew his limitations. He was just one man, but a full staff of quality coaches, that was gold. One of his coaches was Chris Pella, a former head coach at Utah State. Pella joined Edwards' staff as a tight end coach and recruiting coordinator in 1986. Pella worked under Edwards until Lavelle retired. Lavelle was, was great to work for. He, he just told me basically what he wanted me to do and turned me loose. Most college football coaches in the 70s and 80s were drill sergeants who took the my way or the highway approach. Lavelle wasn't like that. Lavelle respected his players, and he respected his staff. He empowered his assistants to be decision makers. He pretty much left the coaching up to the assistant coaches, and, and kind of the fun thing about it is our staff, we've been together for quite a while, and we could we could meet and game plan a game and come up with our coaching guidelines and special teams guidelines for the game plan for the game. In a sport with big egos, this was highly unusual. This work culture cultivated loyal coaches who stayed with the program for decades. Lavelle's style was unique in other ways, too. He didn't carry a clipboard. He didn't even wear a headset on the sideline. He hated the excessive chatter on the headset, felt he couldn't focus. During those early years especially, the Cougars' financial resources were limited compared to the powerhouse programs they were trying to become. Lavelle was trying to make something from nothing. BYU didn't have the ticket sales, the fans, the boosters... BYU wasn't in a major conference like the SEC or Big Ten. They were in the whack. But Lavelle did more with less. Former safeties coach Barry Lamb, who worked with Lavelle from 1994 to 2000, was once a position coach in the Pac-10 in Oregon. I, I went out there with two other guys from the defensive staff, and we stopped, and we looked at the guys running around and doing some things and all that, and I said, these are the guys that you've won all those games all those years with? Come on. He says, no. He says, these are the guys. These are the guys, and we'll win this year. And we ended up, you know, winning our share of games and being 10th in the country and beating Notre Dame at Notre Dame, which, of course, I'd never done, and uh, beating Oklahoma in our bowl game and, and 
you know, it was just pinch me. Just pinch me. Make sure I'm, I, this is really happening because I've got goosebumps all over my body, uh, on the field, in the meeting rooms, uh, in, in, you know, just tingles. And I, I'm not sure they've worn off yet. So yeah, Lavelle had a unique approach to coaching. He also had a unique personality. Besides the financial challenges, Lavelle's BYU program faced social challenges too. Early on, the Cougars weren't respected. There was no prestige. Even BYU wins were brushed off as insignificant. Of course, that was incredibly frustrating. But Lavelle never got angry. He never took his frustration out on his players or his family. You know, I don't think he ever let any over. I don't think challenges ever bothered him. Lavelle was a stoic coach. But when he was off the field, he was funny. Other coaches like former Utah headman Ron McBride appreciated his humorous side. Oh, he was really funny. The guy got a great sense of humor. He would talk about almost anything, and, and uh, he could make light of anything. And he, he was very witty, very tremendously witty guy. His assistant coaches appreciated his humor, too. I, I see the same guy that you see on the sidelines when, you know, when he was walking up and down. And, but we got in, in staff meetings and, and he was hilarious, not to the point of distraction, but he was just a funny guy. And, uh, but he was so intelligent and so wise that uh, it just almost dripped off of him. So if you were there to collect some of it, uh, you were able to learn so much from him because he didn't speak that much but when he spoke you you paid attention and and it was a nugget and you put it in your pocket to save for for later along with cracking some jokes and having a good laugh being a good person was an important pillar in Lavelle's BYU program it was a magic moment for me the guy really was teaching young men how to become men and he was teaching his coaches how to be the best coaches possible and honorable men. Players like former defensive lineman Hans Olsen saw that too. If I sat here and tried to recall a football conversation that I had with Lavelle, I couldn't do it. I had football conversations with Ken Schmidt, with Tom Ramage. I had even football conversations with Norm Chow. I didn't have football conversations with Lavelle. I had life conversations. That care for his players resonated with Lavelle's coaches like Chris Pella. You really cared about the players. And when I came down to BYU from Utah State, I couldn't figure out why the BYU was so successful. And one of the big things is they had an attitude about the fact that they were never out of the game. They could always win. It's amazing how many games we came back and won and they never gave up. And I attribute this to the character of the football players on the team. They were really kids that went out in the community of the BYU football team and based on that and the fact that LaBelle enhanced that, that asset of the players and, and put kids in a position to help other, other kids and help in the community. It goes without saying that LaBelle was an accomplished college football coach. He was other things too, a grandfather, a dad, and a husband. We never knew if he lost or won a football game when he came home. And uh, he didn't force his sons into any type of an athletic endeavor. 
he was a fun guy. He loved so many different things. He was just a good person, just an ordinary person. Lavelle was also a proud member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Lavelle's buddy and former Utah coach, Ron McBride, knew religion meant a lot to Lavelle. All the principles that Brigham Young University stands for, that's what he stood for. So people really respected him because he, he supported the values of, of, of Brigham Young. And a lot of people across the country knew Lavelle Edwards much better than they knew the prophet. During BYU's 1984 National Championship run, Lavelle was asked to speak to church members at General Conference. My dear brethren, I am both honored and humbled about this appointment to speak with you tonight. I've often been asked, how do you stand the pressure of coaching and remain so calm? I can assure you, brethren, I feel real pressure standing before you this evening, especially with no more ability than I have as a speaker. Football gave Lavelle and Patty big platforms in the community. I remember I was in Tampa once, and the lady in the bar said, "We're asked us where we're from. From we said from Utah." And the lady said, "Oh, that's where that that's where that guy Lavelle is. It's the head of the church and the head of the football program." Patty was active in the program. She even wrote a football column for a local newspaper. I was um, also I belonged to the National Football Coaches Writers Association. Lavelle Edwards was an incredible coach who did things his own way, and that way worked to the tune of 257 victories, 19 conference championships, and 22 bowl appearances over his 29 years as head coach. You write a better script than that. I mean, geez, that'll that'll just uh, keep uh, enhancing the lore, I guess. In 1999, Lavelle was ready to retire. But that 1999 season ended with three losses. Lavelle couldn't go out like that. He wanted to deliver one more special year for his players. And that 2000 season didn't disappoint. In his final rivalry matchup against Utah in Salt Lake, BYU was down 27-26 to with 90 seconds left. The Cougars are deep in their own side of the field. It's 4th and 13. They need a first down to stay in the game. Quarterback Brandon Doman throws a deep pass to Jonathan Pittman. Remember that guy? A miraculous first down. Utah Stadium goes from deafening to silence. The clock's winding down. Lavelle Edwards has led this BYU team to an amazing 34-27 victory, and can you believe it? To have them come back and then have Jonathan Pittman make huge plays, I mean, it's, it, it feels like destiny, kind of like fate. Oh, and when we were in the halftime, that was the whole talk, you know, that we have to got to win this game no matter what, you know. And uh, Lavelle is whatever, no better way to send off Lavelle than this last game right here and, and in that kind of fashion. One last miracle for Lavelle. On August 17th, 2000, Lavelle announced his retirement. The players, the involvement, the people, coaches, and that would be the, the most difficult thing to give up. It was tough news for some of the players. One of those players in Lavelle's final year was Kalani Satake. A lot of the guys were shocked. Um, I know I was when he, when he told me, but uh, I think also a lot of the guys are motivated to play. I mean, we have a chance to do something this year that uh, nobody else is going to have. A lot of mixed feelings of, you know, wow, we got we got to do something this year. we got to make it good for coach you know we gotta finish this off great for him and then also just 
a little bit of sadness, you know, thinking, man, end of an era. The whole state of Utah celebrated Lavelle's incredible tenure at BYU. Like former Utah jazz owner Larry H. Miller. I am an extreme admirer of Lavelle Edwards. He's been such a tradition, and he's represented so well, not only BYU, but the state of Utah. Lavelle Edwards is just a very special man. Former BYU president Merrill J. Bateman. Because of the kind of person that he is, because of the kind of team that he fields, because of the exciting game that he plays, it's been incredible. Even nationally iconic coaches like Florida State's Bobby Bowden. You hate to see it because he's one of the great... One of the great men in, in college coaching. Good for the game, been good, one of the good guys, you know, a, a really a great moral man. But before he left BYU, the school wanted to honor the school's greatest coach. So they changed Cougar Stadium to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Board of Trustees and the administration of the university, in recognition of a remarkable and wonderful man, have determined to name this the Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It was a complete surprise. It was a complete surprise. And um, going into the game, I I was a little bit uh, a little bit of nostalgic with me, uh, recognizing that this would be the last time that. His team would play in this stadium. Lavelle was getting ready to retire. Everyone wondered what he could do next. Retirement is near. When it does come, what are you going to do? Well, I think one thing, I'd probably like to go on a mission. And I uh, didn't go when I was younger, and so Patty and I will probably go somewhere. So he and Patty packed their bags and flew to New York City to serve a couple's mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he stayed involved with BYU football as a supporter and gave advice to the coaches that followed him, Gary Croton, Bronco Mendenhall, and of course Kalani Satake. At the press conference in December of 2015, Lavelle was there to hug Kalani when Satake was introduced as the new head man at BYU. It's a momentous occasion today to bring Kalani Satake in as the new football coach at BYU. Lavelle Edwards passed away in December 2016 at the age of 86, an absolute icon. As a coach, as a human, he was a saint. His legacy to treat the game differently, as well as the people who play it, lives on. Coming up in the next episode of A Century of Cougar Football. A deep dive into BYU's quarterback factory. This game has been billed as the national championship game. Jim McMahon, Robbie Bosco, Ty Detmer. The assembly line that made BYU a national contender. A Century of Cougar Football is researched, hosted, and written by me, Mitch Harper. Rachel Miller-Howard also helped with writing and is responsible for audio production and sound design. Mixing by Trent Sell and Rachel Miller-Howard. Special thanks to Madison Hinkhouse and Nathan Dowdle. And executive producer, Cheryl Worsley. A Century of Cougar Football is a KSL podcast.